Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 21. Let's go. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he used to be in a Quake 2 clan, Pat Flynn. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome to the 21st session of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. I'm your host, Pat Flynn from smartpassiveincome.com. And today we're going to do something a little different. I don't have any guests on the show. However, I will be answering a number of your questions that have been sent to me via email, on my Facebook page, on Twitter, everywhere. And the reason I'm answering these questions on the podcast is because I'm getting asked the same questions over and over again. And to follow some of my own advice and do things the smart way, I'm using the power of podcasting to answer some of the more commonly asked questions, which maybe questions that you have as well. And as a result, I'm able to help and reach more people at the same time. And additionally, I'll probably decrease the number of emails. And anytime someone does ask me a question I've already answered on the show, I can simply point them to this podcast episode where that question uh, was addressed. So there's a wide range of questions, both for beginners and more advanced online marketers here. Uh, So hopefully you'll come away with something new or at least confirm your own knowledge and answers to the questions that you hear on the show today. I'm going to try and cover as many as I can. And just for future reference, if you have any questions of your own that you'd like to be answered, feel free to drop me a message on my Facebook page at www.patonfacebook.com. Even if you don't have a question, you just want to say hi, that's cool too. I love interacting with the SPI community there and we're quickly approaching 10 thousand fans so you'll definitely be in good company so okay let's get to the questions right away the first question is coming from rebecca she asks hey pat i hope you can answer this one for me i have read and listened to everything i can get my hands on for the past few months and the more i know the more apparent it is to me that i don't understand some of this stuff for example I want to purchase my domain names for my new businesses online and all of the formulas I've read about it are confusing and scary to me, even though I've dived in and tried to figure it out. 
Is there a super simple formula that a newbie can have to finding the perfect domain name? So that's a great question, Rebecca. Thank you for that. And this is something a lot of people who are just starting out worry about because it's really one of the first sort of, quote, official things that you do. You know, you're buying a domain name, so you really want to pick the right one. So first of all, I applaud you for being concerned Rebecca, about your decision because it's definitely something that's very important. So I will be a little over the top with my answer here. And the formula, the actual formula will depend on the actual type of website that you're trying to build. For example, if you're building a niche site, a site that is very specific for a smaller piece of a larger market, then the formula is very simple. With niche sites, The whole idea is to pick a market and a keyword related to that market that people are searching for that is not too competitive with the whole goal of building a site and getting to the top spot in Google. Typically, the top three is where you want to be. And the formula is this. After you've chosen your keyword, you want a domain name that matches exactly 100% what that keyword is. If my keyword is... Um, backyard hammocks I want my domain to be backyardhammocks.com that's called an exact match domain and it gives you a lot of extra weight in Google I've seen sites with an exact match domain rank on the first page with only one or two pages of content and no backlinks or links from other sites so an exact match domain with a .com is best if you can get the dot if you can't get the .com then the .net and the .org org are next best or next best in line. If you cannot get an exact match domain, which is really often the case, then you can add a modifier to the keyword. So if the keyword is backyard hammocks uh, and the .com, the .net, and .org are already taken, I could add a letter to the front or back of the keyword, which is the next best thing for the search engines. So for example, ebackyardhammocks.com or ibackyardhammocks.com or backyardhammocksx.com. And of course, if the .coms are taken, you can go with a .net or .org as well. But, and this is a big but, the thing is, although niche sites are generally built to please the search engines, and I really want to emphasize this point here, it's really the people who visit your website ultimately that matter. If you build a site and it ranks high, but it's not interesting, there are too many ads on it, it's slow to load, you know, people are going to leave. Then really, what's the point of ranking at the top of Google anyways if you don't please your readers? So we're building sites for people here, for people. And the reason I bring this up and I emphasize it so much is because although, you know, ebackyardhammocks.com is kind of second best, it's second best for the search engines, but not necessarily for people. It doesn't really make sense. And if I saw a site that was e this or keyword x.com or whatever, I'd probably be a little turned off by it. You know, it doesn't sound very professional. And maybe it's just me because I'm in this business. But to me, if you cannot get an exact match domain with a .com, a .net, or a .org, just add one modifier that actually makes sense. You know, and each letter does make a difference. It decreases the uh, what they call the keyword density of the domain name as a whole in whole but that doesn't really matter quite as much as people make it out to be so pick something that makes sense so quality backyardhammocks.com backyardhammocksdepot.com 
Hammocks.com. Best Backyard Hammocks.com. Backyard Hammocks Review.com. So I hope I hope that makes sense as far as niche sites are concerned. It's a pretty simple formula. Now, if we're talking about a more authoritative site, something that's going to be bigger than a niche site, and you're planning to build a huge brand around it, then the formula is going to be a little different. You know, eBackyardHammocks.com isn't very brandable, and neither is neither is really BackyardHammocksReview.com. So something, so some bit of creative thinking has to be done to get it right, depending on where you want to go with it. And if possible, you know, I always love to see a domain name that has whatever the site is about in the actual domain name. And I love this for two reasons. First, new visitors will immediately know what your site is about, even before they get there, which is huge. I mean, some companies have weird names that you hear for the first time, and you're like, what's that about? Uh, one website that comes to mind is squidoo.com. If that's, if that's their first time hearing Squidoo, you're probably like, what's that about? And really, it's, it's just a type of blogging and article writing platform, but you wouldn't know that unless I told you, uh, which I just did. Now, the site is successful, and it's, it's, uh, it is a cool, memorable name, which we'll talk about later, which is why it works for them. So you don't have to use the name of whatever it is your site about in your domain, but I always encourage it. So some examples are problogger.net, which is a site by Darren Rose about professional uh, blogging, smartpassiveincome.com, my site, entrepreneursjourney.com, virtualstafffinder.com, podcastanswerman.com. These are all great domain names that, you know, you hear the domain name, you pretty much know exactly what the site is about already, which is huge for engagement. Now, second thing to realize is, you know, another reason I love domain names that include what the site is about in the actual domain name is because it helps with search engine optimization big time. So let's take my site, for example, smartpassiveincome.com. Passive income is in the domain name. So it helps me there just, you know, because that's what my site is about and it helps, uh, you know, sort of like with niche sites. But in addition to that, when other websites or people link to my blog, they're more than likely going to use the words smart passive income when they link to me. And that anchor text, as they call it, is another thing that Google looks at for ranking websites against each other. So automatically, because people are linking to me with the words passive income in it, you know, the little blue highlighted underlined text on a website that when you click, it, it, it takes you to another site. That anchor text has passive income in it, and it helps out so much. And, you know, as a result of this, without even knowing much else about Search engine optimization, you know, I kind of got lucky when I chose my domain name because I did have passive income in my domain name, but I was I'm, I was able to get the Smart Passive Income blog to number two in Google for passive income, for the keyword passive income, and that keyword brings me nearly 5,000 visitors a month, which is, which is awesome. So another perfect example of the strategy is uh, many of you, of you have heard me talk about Sterling and Jay before from Internet Business Mastery at internetbusinessmastery.com. You kind of know what that site is about already, and their keyword is their target keyword is Internet Business, internetbusinessmastery.com, and they're ranking on the first page for Internet Business, which is a huge keyword, very highly searched for, uh, more so than passive income. So that's that's really smart on their part, and you know they didn't really tell me to do that when I was a part of their academy, but 
you know, maybe it kind of subconsciously, I just figured that out uh, based on their example. So I don't know. So that's one option, including what your site is about in your domain name. Now, another thing you could do is make your actual name, your name, your, your actual name, the domain name. And a lot of people do this. And this is for those people who want to build a website where they become the brand. The person is the brand. So you have something like chrisbrogan.com or Gary Vaynerchuk, author of Crush It.com. It's just GaryVaynerchuk.com and johnchow.com. Now, there's a few things to consider when you, you know, if you're going to use your name as the domain name. First of all, you're using your name. So the site is going to be about you and you're going to have to be somewhat transparent about what you do in your business or whatever it is you're talking about if you want to succeed. And if that's something you're not comfortable with, then you might want to stay away from uh, using your name and take a different route. Also, it will be nearly impossible to sell the site. If you have, for example, an exit strategy, it'll be hard for John Chow, for example, to sell his website to anyone because, well, he is his website. He is johnchow.com, and without him, it's not really going to work. So those are some things to think about. Another option is to just pick something catchy, you know, really catchy that really isn't going to explain what the site is about, but it's unique enough and memorable enough that if it does gain any exposure, that's not going to matter and people will understand what it's about just from word of mouth and hearing about it in uh, on the blogosphere and on the internet. And again, you're trying to create a brand here. So I already mentioned one website, squidoo.com. That's a great example. And that was actually created, that website is actually created by Seth Godin, you know, renowned author and marketing extraordinaire. So you know he knows what he's talking about, squidoo.com. Now you'll probably never... Uh, now, when you know, uh, now if you ever hear squidoo.com, you know where it comes from um, because it's such a memorable, kind of funky name. Other examples, and I'm sure you've heard of these before google.com. You know, if you hear Google for the first time, uh, you're probably living under a rock, but besides that, you wouldn't really know what it's about. But now, I mean, it's a it's a worldly known brand, and we all know what it is, and Google has just created this huge brand around itself. Uh, yahoo.com, amazon.com. I mean, th- those are probably the most well-known examples I can think of off the top of my head. So to finish off this question, here are five things you should consider when choosing a domain name, no matter kind of what strategy you have uh, to go along with it. Number one, it shouldn't be too long. You know, it's harder to remember, and the more letters there are, the easier it is to mistype. So it shouldn't be too long. That's rule number one. Number two, try to stay away from numbers. And I say this because if you tell someone your site is at 241hammocks.com, is that two written out? Is it the number two? What about the four? Is it four like F-O-U-R or F-O-R? It gets really confusing and you don't want to explain yourself every time. So I always tell people to just stay away from using numbers in their domain name. Of course, there are exceptions to all of these rules, but I'm just kind of giving you the stuff to think about uh, to give you the best chance. So number three, don't use dashes in your domain name. A lot of people add dashes to get, you know, an almost exact match domain. If their exact match domain is taken, they just add dashes and that kind of gives them an exact match domain. But really, they don't do any good. And if you're explaining your brand to someone, 
and you have to say dash every time, it just gets really annoying, and it looks a bit awkward, too. Uh, and as far as Google is concerned, I don't think dashes are in your favor. Um, you know, I think having an exact match domain without dashes is more powerful than having it with dashes. And I think having modifiers on your on your keyword domain is a lot more stronger than having dashes as well. There's some argument there, but that's my opinion. Now, number four, there are other domain extensions out there. Many of you probably heard these before, .info, .cc, .biz, .tv, etc. I just stay away from them altogether, and the reason is because .com, .net, and .org are more popular. It holds more weight in Google, and I remember a story that Glenn Alsop from viperchill.com told on his blog, I think, uh, which when he was explaining why he only uses .com, .net, and .org as well, was that Google one day just dropped all of the .info sites out of their index by accident one day, which is really scary to think about. But that is something that would never happen to a .com, .net, or .org site. There's just so many of them, and that's that's what they're primarily looking, uh, primarily looking at. And finally, just use common sense when you're choosing your domain name. If you write it out and you feel it's going to be easily misspelled when people hear it, or it's just too difficult to type in, or it doesn't really fit your brand well, keep searching for one that works. And generally speaking, the way to think about all of this, you know, the, I, I love giving people this example because it really makes them think about what the name is going to be for their brand. What if your site became hugely popular and you were invited to, you know, Good Morning America, a national television show with millions of people watching to talk about your brand and your website? You're going to want a domain name that makes people remember who you are what your brand is about, one that's easy to remember, one that's not mistypable, it's very catchy, it's purposeful, you know, everything we talked about in those rules. So just imagine your brand, your domain, you're going on a really popular TV show, you want to make it as easy as possible for people to type in that domain name and get to you on your website. Now hopefully your your servers can handle millions of uh, visitors if you were featured on Good Morning America. So that's a whole nother issue. So great question, Rebecca. Thank you. Uh, there's a there's a lot to it. I mean, we spent the last ten minutes talking about domain names, uh, but there, you know, like I said, it's a really important step for anyone wanting to make a difference online. So, okay, the second question we have is from Brent, and Brent asks a really great question. Pat, I have an ebook idea, but I don't have a blog or any type of online presence yet. What can I do to make my ebook successful? Now, first of all, I think it's great, Brent, that you're ready to publish something online. You know, an ebook is really what changed my life. And for those of you who don't really know my story, I had a blog for a while. I still have it. Um, but I, I, I was publishing on this blog for about a year and a half until I got laid off. I decided to monetize it by writing an ebook study guide for this exam that the blog was about. And after writing the ebook and selling it online, I grossed about $8,000 that very first month. And then it just sort of took off from there, uh, which, was, which was great. And to be honest with you, though, to be honest with you, and I'm really going to speak from experience here, it's going to be much more difficult to succeed with an ebook or any type of product you create for distribution online if you don't already have an existing audience or presence online. 
If you have an audience or a following already, it's going to make things so much easier for you. I mean, pe- pe- people always ask me, uh, Pat, how did you make almost $8,000 the first month you went online? And the truth is that I didn't. I earned that much the first month I sold my ebook, but I had my blog where I was building a community, establishing myself as an authority for over a year, plus tack on an extra two months to actually create the ebook. And as you can see, it didn't really happen overnight. Nothing usually does, unless you win the lottery or something. So if you have the time and patience to build a community, maybe by starting a blog like I did or maybe a podcast or maybe a YouTube channel and getting your name out there by providing real value and extremely useful content to people so they become a part of your tribe, they follow you everywhere you go, they spread your message across the entire world for you, giving you signs that they would buy something from you or invest in something you've created, then you've pretty much succeeded already. And all you need to do is take action and write the book. But like I said, it takes time and patience to get there and things don't happen right away. And to me, this is the best way to do it. It's the way that I've done it since the beginning with greenexamacademy.com and also smartpassiveincome.com too. Now that said, if you have read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, one of my favorite books that was a huge inspiration for how I passively run my businesses today, you'll remember that there's a chapter in there called Income Autopilot 2, Testing the Muse. And within that chapter, there's a subchapter called Step 3, Micro Test Your Products. And for those of you who have the second edition, the kind of orange version of the 4-Hour Workweek, that's on page 180. So check that out. And in this chapter, Tim reveals a strategy to see how successful an idea can be. Again, an idea. Now, this is good stuff here. Because you don't actually have to create your product before it goes on the market to test it. And this is something, you know, just to clarify that you would do if you don't already have an audience. This is probably the best way to go if that is the case. Now, there's a little bit of money involved to invest in pay-per-click advertising. But that's the price you pay when you don't already have an audience to test a product out or do a survey for you. But to Tim and to me, it's well worth the investment because we'd rather spend 250 to 500 bucks to know my product isn't good based on hard cold numbers as opposed to a never doing anything at all and wondering what could have been and b spending 60 hours creating a product only to launch a website and have your product sell to nobody you know i i'm not going to go into detail about how the testing works i have a blog post for that but it's basically setting up a sales page that sells your ebook or whatever product you have, driving pay-per-click advertising to it, and tracking how many people click on the buy now button, which shows how many people would have you know, taken the initial uh, steps to purchase that book and how much time they spend on the site is important as well. And I have step-by-step details about how to do this in a blog post series that I wrote, which is, uh, it's actually been passed around quite a bit on StumbleUpon and Twitter. So you can find a link in the show notes, which if you're listening to this podcast right now, you can go to the show notes directly at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 21. Those are the numbers, 21. Or just visit the blog and hit the podcast tab at the top. So, uh, and if you're, reading and listening on the, uh, if you're 
reading the transcript while you're listening to this, these links are in the transcript as well for your convenience. So the, the blog post series is called How to Test Your Online Product Before It's Even Made. Again, it's a four-part series that helps you understand if a market exists for your idea. Then, after all this testing, if you happen to run the numbers and it looks good, you know you have a winning product. And with PPC, pay-per-click advertising, it's basically like spending $10 to earn $25, for example, or trading dimes for quarters, as many internet marketers like to say. So my first part of the answer is become an authority in the niche that you're writing a book for. And don't worry if there's already competition out there. I love competition. I love competition and competing websites because they tell me exactly what they are doing wrong and what I should do instead. You know what I mean? Plus, it's a sign that there's a market for whatever it is you're looking to get into. So now it's your job to put yourself in that market. Take what everyone else is doing wrong and show all of those customers and potential customers and people visiting those sites in that market that you're the go-to person and then, or that you have the go-to product to help solve their problem or fulfill their need or their desire or their wants. And of course, gaining a following and establishing yourself, establishing yourself excuse me, in an existing niche is easier said than done, and it takes time, but it's not impossible, and the rewards can be very, very fruitful. I mean, to give you a perfect example, I wasn't the first person to talk about making money online. But here I am today with the Smart Passive Income blog. So the second part of my answer, if you don't have the time to become an authority or a tribe leader, as some might say, then you can use PPC campaigns on Google AdSense, or excuse me, Google AdWords or Facebook to test your idea first. And then if it's a green light, really start to trade your dimes for uh, quarters there. You know, put in $10, get back 25 and you know you can add zeros to the end of those things. Put it in a hundred, get back two fifty. Put it in a thousand, get back twenty five hundred, etc. So that's really how it works. So good luck with that, Brent. Great, great question. Um, and it's really up to you how you would like to proceed. So our next question is from about six different people. Uh, so I'm not going to mention their names, but I'll paraphrase that question for you because they all kind of asked it in a different manner. They said, Pat, how do you make your YouTube videos with the blackboard with your logo on it and you writing live on top of the screen? Now, this is actually my most frequently asked question, uh, and I, addre- I address it in my email newsletter, but I get asked so many times that I decided to put it into this podcast because I think it's really helpful and it will help you out. Uh, and, and knowing that it's my most frequently asked question, it makes me feel really good because it means I'm really engaging my audience with my videos and it's a technique that not a lot of people are doing. It's probably part of the reason why my YouTube channel has over half a million views and counting. And if you're interested in learning more about how I use YouTube and tips and tricks to maximize your efforts there, definitely check out Smart Passive Income podcast session number 19 everything you need to know about YouTube for online business and blogging. It's been one of the most popular podcast episodes so far. Um, So anyways, if you haven't seen one of these videos before, I'll put a link on the blog so you can check one out. But basically, when you hit play, there's a screen that looks like a blackboard. It has my logo on it, some color to match my website to keep branding consistent. Uh, And it has my URL as well. 
And during the video, you can hear me talk in the background while I actually write on the screen, sort of like a teacher in a classroom would on a projector. And it's much more engaging than something like a PowerPoint or a keynote presentation where text kind of just pops up on the screen. I mean, you can actually see me in real time as I talk right on the screen. So I draw diagrams, I draw graphics, charts, and other things to help explain whatever it is I'm trying to explain. And the way this is done is actually pretty easy, and I'm happy to share this technique with you because, like I said, it's a great way to engage your audience and stand out from everyone else who is making videos in your niche, and I really want you to succeed. So feel free to take this technique, and if anyone asks you, you can tell them it came from me, but don't feel like you need a link to me or anything every time you use it. So what I do is I'm basically using a screen capture software such as Camtasia, and there's also ScreenFlow for Mac users, and there's actually a free one that you could try out. I haven't tested it myself, but it's called Cam Studio. You can get it at camstudio.org. Uh, and I use this software to, to record myself writing on top of a blackboard that I created myself in Photoshop. Now, I'm actually in the Photoshop program using a pen tool to draw on a layer on top of a blackboard that I previously created in Photoshop. Now, if you don't have Photoshop, there is some open source software out there that you can download for free that will accomplish the same thing. I don't know how to use them quite yet, but you can sort of figure it out and create a blackboard for yourself. One of them is called GIMP, G-I-M-P. You can get that software at gimp.org. And that's it. You know, although uh, one other thing, I do have a pen and tablet so that I can write legibly. It's really hard to write text with a mouse, as I'm sure many of you know. And the particular tablet that I have is called the Bamboo Fun Tablet. I actually bought it at a Mac store. You could probably get it at a Best Buy, too. Um, and I think it was only 69 bucks or something. It's on Amazon.com as well. Um, and I've since converted a couple of people to this system. I know Cliff Ravenscraft from Podcast Answer Man is already using the pen tablet Photoshop thing I just went over. Uh, I don't even know what to call this uh, This system i'll call it pat's blackboard system or something uh he's using it and also david risley i believe is using it in some of his membership site programs which is really cool so good luck with that if you have any additional questions about how that works just you know quickly head on over to pat on facebook.com and ask quick questions so you can make sure you get the right stuff for that if you'd like an affiliate link for the bamboo pen and tablet that i use it'll be on the show notes as well so thank you in advance for those of you who are interested in this technique and would like to use that. It, again, it's a really engaging, it's a really great way to teach people something different than everyone else is doing it. So this next question, uh, which I believe will be actually my last question because we're actually already at the halfway mark or the 30-minute the mark, which is crazy. I didn't, believe, I didn't think I would spend this much time answering each question. So uh, th this will probably be my last question for today a question that I know a lot of you have out there because you are doing niche sites. And the question is, how do I increase my AdSense earnings? How do I increase my AdSense earnings? Uh, this is a question from, actually, it's funny because uh, just the other day, two people in consecutive emails, and I get, I get hundreds of emails a day, two people in consecutive emails asked me this very same question. So uh, I, I'm happy to address it here and, and send them to this podcast episode. So uh, JD and Anthony ask, how do I increase my AdSense earnings? Now, I don't care what anyone else says. I actually love 
Google AdSense. It provided me with my very first dollar online way back in 2008 when I first began to monetize greenexamacademy.com, when I first put AdSense on that site before I wrote my ebook. And today it's the income vehicle for my security guard training niche site at securityguardtraininghq.com, which is now generating over $1,000 a month in AdSense revenue, uh, in AdSense revenue alone. It's, pretty, it's pretty incredible. And the cool thing is that if you have a website that has traffic or visitors, all you have to do is put Google AdSense on your site, which is done by just dropping a little piece of code into your site within your posts, pages, and your sidebar, uh, wherever you like. And ads are automatically generated and appear in those areas that relate to the content on the page that they are on. I understand that a lot of people don't like advertisements, and that's totally understandable. But if done correctly, AdSense can actually enhance the quality of your site because the ads should be relevant to whatever it is you're talking about. So it's more like a resource instead of an ad. So that's why you know, you get clicks, and every time someone clicks on those ads, you get paid. Now, AdSense is great for starting out because, like I said, it's easy to set up, it's free, and you can begin making money right away. However, there are three things that we need to look at to give ourselves the best chance to make the most money with AdSense. And the first and probably most important thing to understand is the kind of content on your site, what your site is about, and primarily the target keyword that you know is that is on your site so you see your your earnings from adsense actually don't come from google google just doesn't pay you out of nowhere although they are the ones that cut you the check or you know directly deposit that money into your bank account the money originally comes from those who are paying google a certain amount of money per click you know advertisers if for example a particular keyword an advertiser is targeting costs a dollar per click and that ad gets clicked they give Google a dollar and you get a small piece of that for hosting the advertisement if it was on your site. And it sounds simple enough, but the thing is not all keywords are created equal. Some keywords are worth way more than others. Some keywords, such as keywords on securityguardtraininghq.com like security guard training and armed security guard training, they have a cost per click in AdWords of about 250 uh, and although I've seen it go up to $4 at one time, so it's a good amount of money. That That's actually fairly high. Other keywords, keywords that aren't very competitive on the advertising front, you know, they may only cost that advertiser $0.20 cents per click, in which case, in the end, you wouldn't get quite as much money. You know, 50 per, I don't know what the exact percentage breakdown is, and it varies uh, each time, but, you know, 25% of $4 is a lot more than 25% of 20 cents. And this is why some sites that get thousands and thousands of hits per day may not make as much with AdSense as a site with less traffic, but it targets a better, more commerciable, uh, commerciable, is that a word? A more commercially viable keyword. So part of the work needs to be done before the website goes up or before the topic or niche is even selected. And this is where keyword research comes in. You can use a tool like the Google AdWords keyword tool to not only see how many people are searching each month for a particular keyword, but also how much the average cost per click is for that keyword for an advertiser, which will give you an idea of how much you may potentially earn per click. 
you don't want to pick the ones that are just 20 cents. You want to pick the ones that are that are much higher, which means there's a lot more advertisers that are paying for that, which will help you even further because that probably means there's more of a market. It means there's potential companies out there that you could work with and maybe partner with and become an affiliate for. You got to do the proper research, people, before you choose your niches and start your websites, especially for niche sites specifically. Uh, you know, choose a keyword that will give you a chance to earn a lot of money. So that this next kind of idea as far as increasing AdSense income is sort of obvious, but in order to make money with AdSense, you need to have some kind of traffic coming to your site. And the more traffic that comes to your site, the more money you can make, obviously. So also the more targeted your traffic, the more you can make as well, since those particular people would be interested in the topic more so than if you just went on Fiverr.com, F-I-V-E-R-R.com, and you bought 2,000 visitors to your site. I would not recommend that. And the traffic from sources like that are just terrible. They don't do anything for you. There's a low uh, time, uh, average time spent on site. They don't click on anything. And you know you, you want to help people who are actually interested in whatever it is you're talking about. You don't want to pay for traffic like that. So search engine traffic, however, is very targeted, and that's where most of the traffic for these little niche sites come from. That, that's where we want the, the uh, visitors to come from, is from, from Google and Yahoo and Bing. So I could talk for days about traffic generation strategies, but I think we'll talk about that more. Uh, we'll we'll kind of dedicate that to its own podcast session. I know we've talked about traffic previously with Corbett Barr, uh, in one of the earlier episodes, Corbett Barr from thinktraffic.net. Maybe I can bring him back on and we could talk more about traffic um, uh, in a future episode. So, so we'll see. I'll try to get him on. So, And lastly, you need to have optimal placement and settings for your particular AdSense ads. And although there are certain strategies in regards to ad placement and stylization and settings for your AdSense ads that tend to work better than others, the truth is that every website is different. And it's up to you, the website owner, the person putting AdSense on your site. It's your job to test as much as possible and see what works for you and your website. You know, the optimal settings I once had on greenexamacademy.com, for example, they are not the same as they are on my site at securityguardtraininghq.com. You know, the overall strategies that tend to work for me are, and here's a bunch of them, A, place one medium or large rectangular block of ads, and you can choose the different kinds of ads that you want when you're going through Google AdSense, but one medium or large rectangular block of ads in the first part of your posts and pages. And you can easily add ad blocks anywhere uh, yeah, I mean, mo some people put them in by hand in every single post, but there's actually a WordPress plugin out there that will make things a lot easier for you. It's called Advertisement Management. Don't get it confused with Advertising Manager or Advertising or Advertising Management. It's Advertisement Management. That's the name of the plugin. You can get it in your plugin directory in WordPress, and this basically allows you to put ads wherever you'd like. Uh, it's it's really easy to use. Um, and this particular ad placement, the one in the first part of every post and page, the medium or large rectangular block, this is the one that earns me the most income. And I actually have it so that the ad is justified to the right, so that the text of the post or page wraps around the ad on the left-hand side. 
And there's a little bit of coding involved to make this happen. You kind of add it along with the script that Google gives you from Google AdSense in your advertisement management uh, plugin. And I'll, I'll, I'll post a small text file for you in the show notes that, that'll give you the code. I mean, it's, it's a short piece of code, but it's kind of hard to explain on the podcast. Um, and if you're reading this on the transcript, you'll see it right below this area. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll have that in the show notes so you can download that to, to, to make sure that your ads are kind of not by themselves, but within your text, which increases the click through rates because they're right next to where people are reading. And so they're going to, they're going to have a better chance of seeing them. And by the way, I just want to give a quick shout out and thanks to a friend of mine, Spencer from nichepursuits.com. He, uh, actually helped me a lot as far as optimizing some of the ads on my security guard training site, which I immediately uh, saw results from. So check him out if you have the time, Spencer at nichepursuits.com. He recently just posted his earnings. You know, he's really big on AdSense, and I saw that he generated last month over $15,000 in AdSense, which is insane. I mean, I think my best month ever from AdSense was over a little bit over $4,000, I, I believe, back in 2008. I'll have to check the reports for that. But Now, another strategy in regards to placement and stylization and your actual Google AdSense ads is to use the link text ads. Now, link text ads are specific ads that don't have descriptions with them, and they're just little text links. Uh, and primarily the one I use is, I believe it's the 728 by... I forget what the height is by something small like 15 or something. So 728 by 15. It's a, it's a long horizontal one that can span across an entire site. And by placing these at uh, near the top of my site, I was able to increase my click-through rate quite a bit and earn, earn even more money from these particular link text ads. Now, now like I said, it's, it's different for each site. But for me, when I, st- when I style my ads to have the same shade of color and font style, as the text on the page that the ads are on, they always get a higher click-through rate. Now, I've talked to other people and they've said differently, which is the reason why I said, you know, you gotta test this out. But the reason I say uh, shade of color, not actual color, is that I, I don't make it exactly the same. I don't make the ads the exact same color as the text on the page. I, I have, you know, one or two shades darker if, if I'm not using black text. Uh, if, if, if I am using black text, I, I make it one or two shades lighter just so the ad sticks out, but it doesn't make the page ugly. You know, it's not an orange ad on a site that's primarily black and, uh, which would kind of make it kind of Halloween-y. So, uh, you know, I, I mess around with the sizes and fonts too, uh, which I'm actually inconclu- inconclusive about, uh, as far as the size and the fonts, because I'm still testing that variable as we speak. I'm always testing. It's very important. You're, you're not... You're losing out on money if you're not always testing and trying to optimize. So this is why I know for me and and my particular sites that by adjusting the shade of the color of the font just a little bit to kind of stand out a little bit but still sort of blend in, uh, that usually works best for me as far as getting the highest click-through rate. Now, when setting up your ads, you also have the option to show picture advertisements in place of the text link type advertisements. And whenever I've whenever I've enabled the images, I've always seen a dramatic drop in click-through rates and income. And again, this is something you have to test out for your, for your own website in your particular niche. And I, I know I sound like a broken record when I say that, but test. You have to test, 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 test. So the big lessons are 
to increase your AdSense earnings, do your homework and pick a niche that will give you the ability to earn more with each click. Two, optimize and do everything you can to maximize the amount of targeted traffic coming to your site. And three, just test. Test, test, test. Try different patterns, settings, fonts, types of ads, sizes of ads, sizes of fonts, colors of fonts, shades of fonts. Because even just an extra half a percentage increase in click-through rates can have a huge dramatic effect on your income in the long run. So I know I've only covered four questions, and I'm a bit disappointed that I only got to four. Um, but I, you know, it's pretty crazy because I thought I was going to get through 10 or 12 of them. I have a list here. But I guess I just got a little too detailed with my answers. But I think that's a good thing because you can never learn too much about these types of things. And hopefully you came away with some answers or some tidbits or some tips and tricks that you can use for your own site and in your own business. And I would love to do more of these. I'll try to maybe keep the answers a little bit more to uh, a little bit more concise so I can get maybe 10 questions in each episode. So this is my first time doing this. So uh, thank you for you know listening all the way through. And I really do hope you got something out of it. You know, maybe every eight to 10 episodes, I'll, I'll have a Q&A type of thing just like this. But I'll, again, I'll try to get more in there for you. So if you have any questions that you'd specifically like answered on the podcast, I'm collecting a database of questions. Obviously, I have a few here that I didn't get to today. So head on over to patonfacebook.com. Come say hi. Shoot me a question. I may answer it right away for you anyways. And if, if it's a good question, and I feel a lot of other people have that same question too, I'll include it in my database for later use in the podcast. So, Well, thank you, everybody. I just want to thank you so much for your support everybody i mean we're up to 149 reviews in itunes which is amazing i never thought it would get there that's this fast and i would love for you to be 150 if you have the time and of course please leave an honest review if you do and if you have any criticism please keep it constructive so i can continue to improve the show and help you even more in the future you guys rock thank you so much and here's to your success in online business in blogging and in life smartpassiveincome.com check it out thanks guys peace thanks for listening to the smart passive income podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI, and today I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast, yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.